CIUT 89.5 Toronto. to the Radical Reverend Show. Of course, we are off-site as usual these days. We're at home, as you should be too. Particularly if you're a senior, please stay at home. And yes, we all need sunshine and vitamin D, but just go out for a brief walk, keep your distance, go back home again. I hope your home is a place that you love to be. Uh, and by the way, out there in listener land, rent day and mortgage payments do do not let banks and landlords bully you. Your home is your home wherever you live. And in a pandemic, if you can't afford to pay for that home, just stay put. Uh, we hope government help is on the way, but certainly this is the time for everyone to be compassionate, banks and landlords alike. So a little bit of advice. Today is our faith panel on uh, the Radical Reverend Show. And my first guest, uh, we're going to do it one by one, is Fizamir, who's our Muslim correspondent, and we're going to be talking about all things faith-based today. And of course, what else does anybody talk about but COVID? So Fizzo, <laughs> welcome to the Radical Reverend Show. Thanks. Good to see you. Good to see that you're well, Sherry. Yeah. So first of all, tell me about you. What's your life like these days? You have children. You're homeschooling. What does that mm -hmm. look like? Well, I haven't actually started homeschooling, um, so that's going to be a tricky one. I have uh, two of them are in university, so that's they're they're well established in doing their own thing through Zoom, and they still have exams and all of that. But my uh, my twelve recently turned a twelve year old who had an isolation birthday, <laughs> had to sort of uh, visit with family online, and uh, yeah, it's mostly been PS4 to be honest. And we're very very fortunate to have a backyard, so he does get to go out. Um, but it's interesting because he had he was begging me the other day to go to play basketball at the at park because that's where all the kids meet up and I said you can't go and he said it's not a bunch of kids it's just me and one other person and I was like that's that's not how social distancing works and I found myself as much as I've been trying to shelter him from some of the really horrific news coming from New York and, and Italy um, I did find myself having to turn to that news to convince him to say uh, you really can't go I'm sorry you know this is serious. And I think um, wherever we're sitting, it, it's just to a degree, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of peace and calm. And it's hard to really believe that we're experiencing what we're experiencing on a global level. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about that, how, how we, how I particularly get to enjoy that calm, how maybe also someone who's fortunate enough to have never lived through war. Um, I imagine maybe this is a part of what war feels like. There's a little bit of calm and there's a little bit of normalcy, but also things are quite chaotic. Um, so that's kind of what I've been thinking. My husband works in a hospital, so that's been a little bit anxiety inducing. Um, he's at Toronto General and he's safe. You know, they're taking the precautions that they can take, but 
uh, but I'm also very, very grateful that he's employed and we still have a home. So Yes, absolutely. And uh, to anyone who's still getting a salary out there, you're the lucky ones, know it and act accordingly, be grateful. Right. Um, has anybody been affected in your family or friends? Have you known anybody with a diagnosis at this point? Uh, you know what, my, my brother-in-law was actually very ill a couple of weeks ago. He was not tested because he, they were advised, of course, to just stay home. He's, he's pretty young. He's, he's in his early 30s. Um, but they seem to be convinced that he did have it. He worked at U of T um, and then he left when he was ill. He, he actually, the, the Roberts library, he worked at Roberts. So he was, um, the libraries had closed before then. So he was already home, but he did come up with some symptoms that seemed to be quite more severe than his flu and, and aligned with everything that we've been told uh, with, the, with the cough and uh, the bronchitis, bronchitis type symptoms. But fortunately, he's well and he's on the mend. Um, but again, we don't know because they haven't. People who have these symptoms haven't necessarily been tested. I know my husband was tested um, a few weeks ago because I know the the um, the provincial guidelines were initially that every doctor that returned should go immediately back to work, and then later, I think within a couple of days, those had changed that said all all hospital staff and doctors who have been traveling should actually not be at work. So everybody who was around them were tested. So my husband was tested and sent home immediately. So that was uh, uh, definitely scary, but fortunately he was negative and he's back to work. Yeah. 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 I've, I've been saying to congregants and folk that I know, especially seniors that just kind of assume you're a carrier, assume you have it uh, right. because some of the symptoms are so mild, who knows, and right. just, you know, act accordingly, you know, practice social isolation and distancing and um, unless your symptoms get severe, to stay at home until we know otherwise, until we have an at-home test kit or right. you know, drive-through test kits or you know whatever. Um, it seems to me the prudent way to go. So let's talk about faith in mm -hmm. faith in the time of COVID nineteen, uh, because today's our faith panel. Um, what does that look like? I mean, first of all, what does worship look like for you, Fisa? Yeah, well, I mean, we're coming up against Ramadan. Ramadan is starting at the end of April. Um, and I know Easter is just here as well. And it's very, it's very sad to not have those spaces in that community. And I remember my daughters were just talking about Ramadan because we are in a lunar cal calendar and it always shifts. The, the place that it fell this year was just after university exams. So all of us would have been free and it would have been really a really nice vacation to be able to spend all of our time at the mosques every night. Cause often just because we can't always do that because we don't have holidays during Ramadan. And this this year it would have been that we did, <laughs> so that's very sad. And we and I know a month ago when we were talking about how um, how far when schools were canceled about three weeks ago, we thought, oh gosh, I hope this is cleared up by Ramadan. I really hope uh, you know we get to have that congregation and that spiritual um, uh, we, uh, what do you call it like regeneration that we get once a year. So that's going to be tough. Um, today's also Friday, so I know that many mosques will be broadcasting um, their Friday sermons online. Mine will, but again, we're praying alone, so it doesn't really count as a congregant prayer, right? So yeah, it's tough. It's tough, and but I think there's also a lot of soul searching about um, your connection to God outside of community, right? And and how do we how do we, we community is important, but also isolation is a different kind of connection. And I think uh, perhaps we need to work on that. And I'm not so good at that. That's sometimes, and I don't know if it's me. I think sometimes moms and people who have a lot of other responsibilities, um, the mosque gives them that time to sort of uh, 
uh, absolve themselves of any other responsibilities to say, this is my time for prayer. Nobody's going to come to me to ask for food or for, to ask for anything. We don't get that time at home. Um, so that's going to be a challenge to sort of carve out that time for yourself to connect with God and say, I can do this outside of, uh, outside of the mosque. Let's see how that goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I was saying the other day, thank God for, for the internet, you know, at mm -hmm. least we have this connection. At least we can broadcast online. Uh, right now I'm sending out kind of a daily prayer, just a brief one from home. And then I did my first service from home last Sunday because before mm -hmm. that we were taping in the church at the front of the church and now church is basically closed. So, um, so I, I set up my kitchen island as a kind of altar. <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of make do, we're making do, you know, with what we have. But I mean, I, I think, I mean, in all of the faiths of the book, um, and Annie Matan is going to be my guest on the second half. So we're going to talk about what it's like to be a Jew uh, during COVID-19. But, uh, you know, there, there is that sense of personal prayer too, that direct connection with God. And I think, you know, we're, we're experiencing community in a different way, let me put right. it that way. And then um, we're certainly remembering and rejuvenating our personal connection because mm -hmm. uh, for many of us with busy lives, that kind of falls by the wayside and we count on mosque or you know synagogue or church. And now that that's not there, um, this takes you know a greater a greater role. Um, and that's something I think Christians can learn more from you, from Muslims and from Jews, is that home-based worship. Um, mm. And uh, that's something that we need to get back to. So yeah. the question you know, that comes up, and I, I, I sent this out, and by the way, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show. Uh, I'm talking to Fiz Amir, our Muslim correspondent uh, on our faith panel today. Um, and of course, the question always arises in tough times, and this is in definitely a tough time, is how is, you know, where's God in this? You know, how can a benevolent, loving God, you know, sit back and, and watch us suffering through a global pandemic? Mm -hmm. Not the first, but what, what, right. how would you deal with that? Well, I mean, there there have been a lot of talks with imams reminding us about the life of the prophet and how many trials he went through and not to make a, a correlation between hardship and God disliking you and understanding that hardship is very much a part of life and how, and in many ways, it's it's there to bring us closer to God, to remind us that, hey, wait a minute, we're not in control. There's a higher power here. There's there's also a, there's also something for us to rely on outside of our immediate selves um, and our countries. And you know, there were we were reminded about how Prophet, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, had lost his wife early. He had lost his beloved uncle early. He had lost all all but one of his children. So he had gone through some extensive trials, and that does not. That, that does not correlate with God being angry at him. So that's something to think about, I think. And also, how are we going to use this time to reflect and think about how, and I know this is, this is beyond just faith, people who are who are rooted in faith, but thinking about what are we going to learn from this and how do we want to continue when this is over? Um, do we want to go back to how we were? Because what, what, um, what in our daily practices were really not working for us we're not healthy for us. We're not healthy for our broader global communities. And how can we switch those? You know, do we really need what we thought we needed? 
And I think those are really great things to reflect on as people of faith, but also of people of conscience and part of a, a global community. So, you know, I've been I've been thinking about those things and how much, um, you know, how much I, I I don't need to shop as much as I shopped. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. a there are a lot of things yes, that I really we're all did not do with less. Yes. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, Yes, I mean that that's that's a big one for me and I'll, I'll I'll make a personal confession here is that my biggest I always feel my biggest downfall is like fashion and and fast fashion and I've I've kind of built my life around trying to resolve come to some kind of resolution about how I can avoid that and now I'm looking at um, the issue the situation in Bangladesh and all of these big retailers canceling orders and they're going to be stuck with billions the whole country is actually dependent on the garment industry um, and stuck with billions in debt. And I was like, you know, and, and I, this might seem silly to people out in radio land because it might not be an issue for them, but I always try to reassess what kind of oppressions am I participating in and what kind of oppressions do I want to stop? And I would pray that God, I don't want to be dependent on as much as I love clothes and I sew a lot and I also thrift shop, but I also know I purchase a lot from questionable places where I'm trying to distance myself from. Um, so this is an issue of faith for me, actually. And, uh, and now I'm kind of seeing that, hey, I don't need this stuff. I don't need it as much as I thought I did. I can have a full and meaningful and lovely life that's creative and, and beautiful without um, engaging in ways that I did. So that's a personal, yeah. that's a personal one for me. Of course. <laughs> I mean, and you've, ta- you've touched on so much there. But number one, um, the fact that this is global. I think that in our lifetimes, it's the first time I've really experienced because we're, we do sit in a position of privilege in North America for the most part. Not everyone, but you know we do in relation to many countries in the world, and we haven't experienced war on in our land here. Um, now one could question that from an Aboriginal point of view, of course, in colonialism, but certainly in our lifetimes there hasn't been war on our shores in the same way that other countries have experienced war. So, I mean, the, you know, so, so all of a sudden we feel, and I feel part of the global community, I think in a way that we just really haven't before. We just Mm -hmm. really haven't had that connection. Um, And perhaps, you know, coming out of this, that connection, whether you're faith-based or not, that connection can continue so that we get, and it's so good of you to raise the issue of Bangladesh and the, and the rag trade, you know, um, uh, but I mean, we're so dependent on on the world in many ways, and now we get that we're all in this together, uh, mm-hmm. and that what we do does affect others, and that they affect us in mm-hmm. negative and positive ways. So there's that. The other thing is living simpler, and I loved how you talked about um, not shopping for clothes online as much. For me, it means you know all of a sudden we're yeah, I, you know my kids are under the same roof as me now. Um, but all of a sudden we're cooking, right? I'm cooking more. You know? Right. I'm yeah. normally, and plus I'm normally such a workaholic. And I think for those of us who are busy all the time, we really get that, that we get that now that we can't be busy in the same ways we once were, that there is a, a joy in not doing. There's a joy in just being. There's a joy in just experience those, those around you, experiencing those around you. And um, you don't have to be constantly doing to prove your worth right in any way and um especially for women i think we you know we prove our worth in relation to what we mean for others often mm-hmm. and uh and this is a chance to you know wait a bit and spend some time with ourselves i don't know mm-hmm. anyway 
continue on, Ms. Yeah. Fizza. We're talking to Fizza here, of course, <laughs> on the Radical Reverend Show. She's our, our Muslim correspondent, and we're talking about what it means to be a person of faith in our respective faiths. Second part of the show, I will be talking to Annie Matan, um, Jewish leader, um, about what it means to be a Jew. And of course, I'm Sherry DeNovo, your host, the Radical Reverend, who in her day job is minister at Trinity St. Paul's. So, um, yeah, so, so. yeah, well, yeah, I have, of course, been thinking a lot about privilege and how we do still have a roof over our heads. My husband is still working, thank goodness. Um, and, and what can we do at this time? So what is it going to take? I know the rent strike has been very um, active and on social media. And I was shocked to hear, <laughs> I'll be honest, to hear Doug Ford say that if you can't pay, if you don't have money for food, you don't have to pay your rent. Like I was like, what kind of world am I living in? It was, it was really <laughs> shocking to hear that. But then also a real turning point for people to understand that, um, and, and there's, that people are need a roof, uh, that the housing is a human right. And we can't be having the, we can't live in a city that has these astronomical prices that people are barely able to, you know, most of their, their paycheck goes to their rent. Um, so this has been a really interesting conversation of learning for me too, to see what's happening online and think about as someone, I mean, I'm not, a, I don't own property outside of just our own home, but I have a lot of friends who do. And it's interesting that I had to post, I, I did post several times about the rent strike, about the rationale beside it, behind it, about how economic disobedience is considered a very legitimate and just fair, uh, just um, form of action right now. Um, so I think that it also places us, for me, someone who's, I think, in um, has a foot in different cl class spaces, uh, to decide where I'm going to align right now. And I know that I have friends who own property who are, you know, small landlords who have maybe places that they're renting. And this is an opportunity for us to have conversations with people about what their responsibilities are as people with privilege and what our responsibilities are. Not someone who has property, but someone who is able to donate, who should continue to donate wherever I see there's need um, and encourage others to do the same. And I would, I would say here to look for smaller community um, uh, programs that are being set up, either whether it's to feed people, whether it's to collect money for people who've lost their jobs uh, or people who are immunocompromised. There's all kinds of activities going on. And this is an opportunity for us to uh, really put our faith in action through donation. But also I have been writing um, emails and calling MPs more than I ever have in a while regarding um, the migrant issue. I know we have migrant workers who are not going to be included in the uh, uh, the package, the payment package for COVID-19 relief. So I've been doing some work around that. So maybe ways to use our time beyond Netflix and really see it as an act of faith to say, okay, this is, this is the time I have and this is what I can do right now. Um, and also my big concern is also places of worship. So I know our little community mosque, which is, a f it's far away. It's in Brampton for me, but I love going there just because it's a beautiful space, but it's a very small community. And this could be something where they would lose their space. Um, so encouraging people to think about their places of worship and Ramadan. Um, I'm not sure how it is with you, Sherry, but Ramadan is really our, the main time that mosques make money because people are at the mosque all the time and there are fundraisers and there's food and there's community. So it could be devastating to a lot of mosques to not have that funding coming in once that one time of year. Um, and I, I'm assuming churches work very similarly. Um, so yeah. I'm concerned about those spaces. Certainly. Well, a couple of things in response to that. Number one, uh, churches, mosques, and synagogues 
should be aware and I hope are aware that there is relief coming from at least promised from the government. Okay. Um, if you've lost 30% uh, of your income, I think that's the cutoff, you can apply for relief and should. Um, mm. And um, absolutely, I mean, it, for many churches, this is going to be really, really difficult to uh, keep the roofs on. Um, uh, uh, in our case, we have a number of tenants um, that also use the building um, mm -hmm. that obviously aren't using the building and aren't going to be paying rent. We, we certainly wouldn't ask them to. So there's that issue as well. Um, the other issue that I think it has come up for faith groups, and for a lot of our congregants donate through pre-authorized remittance, um, but I, I think, you know, again, this is maybe a call out to every person of faith, no matter what the faith, this is a time to really think about, if you can, giving a little bit more mm -hmm. to your place of worship, because they need it a lot more. Um, and so, it, personally, um, I try to tithe uh, biblically, but I, I gave another 10% um, just this year mm -hmm. because I have an income. So I would, I would simply say out there, if you've got an income that's dependable, you're one of the lucky ones, um, you know, step up a little bit, because there are a number of people who cannot do that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Fizza, too, is essential services. Now, Doug Ford came up with a whole long list of essential services, and I remember having this discussion with some of our board about, you know, is church an essential service? I mean, I feel very strongly that faith is an essential service, mm -hmm. but um, we've seen examples of how that's, I think, misused right. in the States, uh, around the world. You see pictures of large groups of people still getting together in worship, which is clearly dangerous. Right. So uh, I think it's really important. I, I certainly think it, what we've done in our community is put this message out there is that, you know, um, especially at times like Easter, like Ramadan, uh, like Passover, like these huge, uh, you know, times where people gather, um, that we put the word out that we can gather online, first of all, and second of all, uh, that you know, the way that we show our faith and our love for each other at this time is by not coming into proximity. And after all, that's what we're called to do is to love our neighbors. So, you know, don't, don't do that. Um, don't right. do that. I know there've been some arrests in the States, but I also heard a really, uh, <laughs> a really depressing little uh, news note this morning that I think the governor of Florida said, oh yeah, you know, everybody should just gather for Easter. And I think, oh great, you know, there, mm. there goes another huge outbreak in that community. Um, and I, yeah. I gather your mosque is closed. What, what is happening um, in mosques in Toronto now? Are yes, most closed? For, yes, most are closed. Um, I think it's been about two weeks now that they've been, they canceled congregation prayer on Fridays. And they, I believe they are closed. And the sad thing is I know uh, for seniors, it was such an important place to go. It was such a like um, social place. And we do have prayers five times a day. So I don't attend prayers five times a day, but I, there are people who are walking distance from mosques who do go five times a day, even the very early, like 5 a.m. prayer. Um, so yeah, I think that there was a reluctance to close those daily prayers, even though Friday was closed because it's a huge gathering. And now I think there's been a real push and an understanding that no, even just 10 people gathering to pray in a small mosque is not acceptable. And you're actually putting those congregants at huge risk because it's usually seniors who don't have, you know, they have time, they don't have work to go through. They can go and walk to the mosque every day. So yeah, there has been, I believe for the most part, mosques closed. And it is it is surprising to see, and, and I know this is around the world. I know, I know um, there's been some conversation about Hajj being canceled this year. And we've seen pictures and from Mecca. And when is Hajj? 
When is Hajj, I believe, will be around July. Mm. Yeah, it'll be around July. Um, so, yeah, that's been sad to see because we have, there's actually a live feed from Mecca that you can watch any time of day. And there will always be people circulating around the Kaaba because that's part of one of the rituals of Umrah, which you can do any time of year. And now it's closed. Like, there's nobody there. <laughs> so that's, that's quite jarring to see. Um, but, yeah, it, it has to be. And, and it's important for people to understand that people, you know, God doesn't need people. Like, we need God. Us not praying is not really a disservice to God. It's really just us. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of new imagery and things happening that we just never thought we would see. And uh, But, yeah, it's important to keep the mosques closed. And it was it was scary to see the governor. I remember seeing him in Florida. Last, I think yesterday he had said a report. He had said, oh, we didn't know that this was trans... Um, transferable through people who are asymptomatic he said i just heard that 24 hours ago and i was like either he's lying or that is very scary i would rather him be lying than having not known that and saying he just learned that 24 hours ago and i heard that yesterday so that's scary and also like there's so many seniors in florida mm -hmm. that is very scary that that's happening in florida so i'm not sure what how that situation is yeah. going to unfold i know ontario hospitals are are bracing for the surge this week and next week yeah. we'll see how things go yeah i know it's it's terrifying and and not only in florida i have to say around the world there were some shots coming out of eastern europe and russia of people mm. attending churches um so let's hope that the message gets out don't do that uh so we just have a few minutes left i'm speaking to fizimir who is our muslim correspondent here on the radical reverend show uh it is our faith panel and we're talking about uh how to be faithful um, during this pandemic. Uh, so I want to leave on a, on a positive note. So Fiza, for you and your children and your family coming out of this, because this too shall pass, you know, um, we hope sooner rather than later, but it will pass. We even looking back at the Spanish flu at the first part of the last century, it uh, was devastating, but it did come to an end. Um, what lessons should we take from this? How should we change coming out of this in a positive way? What are the silver linings of this cloud? Yeah, I, I really believe what I said before, living with less, and we can we can definitely do that. Uh, and also understanding, we have an understanding that everything we have is from God. It, it was God's decision to give us that. It was not that we worked harder than anybody else or that we, you know, we really put in the grind more than anybody else. No, we were privileged with able-bodiedness in my family. We were privileged with all kinds of abilities and, uh, and a family unit. These are all privileges that came only through um, the will of God. So understanding that now we need to use those privileges. What, are, what were we given it for? And are we doing the work that we're expected to do? Um, and that's that's hard because I think this is a this is also a time where fear grips people and you kind of want to hold on when you see everyone losing stuff you're like oh maybe I should just really hold on to what I have because I don't know what the future holds but this is really a challenge to me and my family to continue to give and give and give and if we if we're believers then to trust thank you and yeah. as you were speaking I was thinking about the great toilet paper escapade right. and, the, and the reality is that all of a sudden it's back on the shelves and guess why because the hoarders have hoarded i mean it wasn't a shortage it was just people hoarding and right. that's exactly a good metaphor for i think what we shouldn't do um, right. and why we shouldn't do it thank you so much Fizimir. until thank next you. time on the faith panel keep safe and thank keep you blessed. you too thanks take care bye-bye ciut 89.5 toronto
So you're back on the Radical Reverend show, and of course we are recording this uh, not in the studio as most people are doing uh, the same these days. And it's our faith panel. And the first half of the show, we had Fizimir, a Muslim correspondent. And now we have Annie Matan, who's spiritual leader, Jewish leader. Um, welcome, Annie, to the Radical Reverend Show. Thank you. So we're living in strange, strange times. Uh, and the real question, I think, for a lot of people is, first of all, what's faith got to do with it, uh, number one. But also, uh, well, there are a lot of questions. But we'll... We'll, we'll start with the obvious one that always seems to come up, and that is if uh, we're talking about the divine God, uh, whatever we call her, him, uh, if we're talking about a, an entity that is benevolent and loving, how can a worldwide pandemic be part of that picture, of that God? What's God got to do with this? I mean, my perspective, I, I don't think of God as an individual being. Um, so it, it's like the ways that we think about God all the time are still relevant now. Lots of hard things happen in life, and that doesn't mean that there is no God, uh, you know, for those of us who believe. Um, and for me, I mean, this is interesting because it's it's sort of forcing me to talk about what God is for me. And and I, I have to say, you know, I've noticed in the past, like, I have a little bit of resistance. You know, I'm here on this faith panel. I'm a Jewish spiritual leader. And it feels important to say, like, these are the views of one Jewish spiritual leader and one perspective on Judaism. Obviously, I don't represent Jews everywhere. Um, but I want to say that the, that that Jews everywhere have like there are atheist Jews and there are there are Jews who believe in very different perspectives on what God is. So this is my perspective: um, is that we humans are 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 the body of the divine on earth. And what that means is there's, there's an energy that connects everything and everyone, and we are living that out in our life right now. So what does God have to do with it? I think how we show up for ourselves and each other and how we interpret the information that's coming through, um, that is sort of a manifestation of that energy um, on the uh, like on the earth for lack of a better term like in the world right now and what I've noticed is that when we and I'll speak like it's I but I also have noticed because I've been reading a ton and listening to a ton that when we get caught up in the media and the fear and the panic um, we distance ourselves from the place where we're most connected in ourselves, like we can't hear this, the quiet voice in us anymore. And that's when I feel like we're pretty far away from from our understanding of God or ability to connect with God. And um, actually it's reminding me, Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way defines God as good orderly direction. Um, I love that, I love that. And yeah, so like we're, we're really, we're really far away from good orderly direction when we're in fear and panic mode. And that doesn't mean that we can't be afraid. I think many incredible prayers have been written 
from that place of fear, but also when we can notice, and now I, I want to like paraphrase Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, who said when he was a kid and he would see something scary happening in the community, his mom would say, look for the helpers. And so for me, like that's where we see the face of God. And the helpers today are, you know, those of us who are staying home, those of us who are showing up as healthcare workers, grocery store clerks, um, delivery people, cleaning staff, city workers. Like we see the face of God in the in the tenacity, resilience, bravery, courage of all of 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 all of us who just have to show up with what is real right now. And when we can when we can notice, like allow ourselves to just slow down enough to notice that, I feel like when we're, when we're noticing that and we're in connection with each other in that flow, that's when we're feeling God, the energy of God in our lives. Thank you. Thank you. That was beautiful. Uh, we're talking to Annie Matan here on the Radical Reverend Show, and we're talking, of course, our faith panel this week. Um, she's a Jewish spiritual leader, and we're, of course, all speaking from our own perspectives as me as a Christian, as a, as a Muslim, and Annie as a Jew, um, about what it means to, to us and maybe some others like us <laughs> in the world. One of the, one of the aspects of uh, what we're going through with this pandemic is that we're no longer congregating. We're no longer meeting, and, and for faith people, we're so used to meeting. Um, we're so used to celebrating uh, our celebrations, our mourning, our, our, you know, our funerals uh, together. And so uh, I, I, I like to say, thank God for the internet, uh, that we can still have some kind of online meeting. But, but how is this affecting worship? Like, what is oh. worship? Uh, mean without being physically together for you? So I have to say, this is a really interesting mixed bag because um, for those who couldn't get places, this is now a blessing, right? And I'm part, so of course, like not being able to be in the same room with people is really hard. And technology is not the same. Like Zoom doesn't enable us to sing together in the same way, for example, which everyone is struggling with. Oh, yes. um, I want to say also like the change to funerals and um, mourning practices is heart-wrenching. Um, so many of the key rituals to prepare a dead person, for example, in Jewish tradition with Tahara, this ritual washing, that has had to stop. Funerals are only happening um, graveside with the immediate, immediate mourners and Shiva, the period of, of seven days after where usually people come and visit you in your home when you're a mourner, that's only happening online. Um, so those who are, and, and at a time when people are dying, um, you know, that's harder. That's really heart-wrenching, like to not have the comfort. And in Jewish tradition, um, comforting the mourner is is the key um, is really the key mitzvah, the key um, place for connection um, to tradition and each other when someone dies, and that's really been interrupted, uh, and that's heartbreaking. I, I feel like, you know, I've heard from a couple of officiants who've now had to do funerals um, in the age of COVID and, and just we're all sort of sharing heartbreak emojis 
um, on social media because we, we can only imagine, those of us who haven't done it yet can only imagine. Um, but I would say on the flip side, a hopeful piece is that I'm part of a community, the community through which I was ordained, the Kohenet Hebrew Priestess Institute, has priestesses all over the world, and now we can meet for Shabbat. And there are like 70 of us on a Zoom call, um, and we're figuring out how to use the technology muting and unmuting to share different voices. Um, there's a flattening that's happened in leadership. So um, folks who have been students but haven't often been heard by students from other cohorts, because this is a community that's been around almost 14 years now, um, our, their, our voices are being heard by everyone in a way that's never been done before. And everyone has the same access to the teachers. Um, and there's really a sense of being all in it together, uh, being able to see each other's faces. It's just like there are people who I've seen on Zoom who I've never met who are part of this wider community. And it's, it's really quite special. And even learning how to play with the cacophony of the unmute experience um, has, been, has been a really interesting thing. Like has been like, okay, in this prayer, we're gonna just let all the weird snippets of voices be heard at this time, because we believe that prayer gets where it's gotta go, however it sounds and it's important enough. And then using the chat tool in Zoom to have, so when one person, for example, is leading something, folks are typing in what they wanna contribute and the leader is reading everyone's contributions or singing everyone's contributions. So we're getting really creative and I think it's going to change the way these gatherings happen going forward. Yeah, uh, I feel like we're doing an ad for Zoom here on the Radical Reverend Show. <laughs> um, certainly, they're the only the only stock that's going up right now. Um, yes, we've all become. I, I think one of the blessings is is we've all become more adept. We've we've got on steep learning curves as to how to use technology, and um, we still are yeah. <laughs> learning. Um, yeah, one of the one of the drawbacks of Zoom is the sound. Is you know yeah. is is you, you know I I we had a meeting over Lent. This is a period of Lent in the Christian calendar, and we have a meeting once a week that, you know, is a spiritual meeting, and we would sing a chant, you know, in that mm -hmm. meeting, and uh, Brad, our music director, who has a baby grand at home, and it sounds like a, a piano that you give your five year old, you know, like it sounds like one of those oh. little ricky things. It's so sad, and even a good singing voice doesn't sound good on Zoom. So uh, maybe this is a shout out to Zoom. Um, yeah, maybe you can approve that aspect and then, and yeah, then we, we'll, like we'll worship together better. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll I'd worship. like sound engineers everywhere to work to solve this problem. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I do want to say, I mean, I'm sure you're going to mention that next week is a really big week for us, for both yes. of us. So we have Passover Seders next week. And this is this is probably the biggest holiday on the Jewish calendar in terms of families coming together. My family, uh, my family of origin, um, we have saviors at both my parents' homes. Um, they're divorced. And so, you know, for most of my life, I've spent first night at one and second night at the other. And we have over 20 people at each table. And now my parents are not adept with this technology. And I don't know if they're even going to be able to join a Seder, let alone host one. Um, and what's interesting is there are now, people are now hosting Zoom seders and and folks who weren't able to join, you know, it's like a friend of mine who's in Philadelphia said she has a friend in Toronto who's going to come to her Zoom seder. 
her online Seder, you know, whatever tools are getting used. And they never got to spend Passover together before. But, the, you know, the other side of that is just like how sad it is that for the first time, I, so I'm currently moving between homes. And in one of my homes, I live with two roommates. And we're talking about like the food and how even though we might be on a computer with many people um, and possibly many more people than usual, we're only cooking for three. And like, how weird is that? And we're, and, and everybody has to make their own symbolic mm -hmm. foods this year and figure out if they usually go to someone else, they've got to figure out how to have the Haggadah, the, the, the book that we follow or a version of it or something in front of them. So there are also all kinds of workshops happening how to DIY your Seder, if you've never done that before, how to DIY your Seder using technology. Um, so it's really shaking up um, all of the ways that we've practiced this holiday before. And to be honest, for me personally, it feels completely overwhelming and a bit heart-wrenching. Like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, there are so, and partly because I'm saturated, I'm oversaturated with options, because everyone I know is leading something, and usually I lead. And now it's like, I can't go to my family. So even just the process of, of, and this is part of the challenge of the technology overwhelm right now is like, how do I choose what's going to be the right thing for me to celebrate this holiday in this totally different way that feels both connected and really disconnected this year? Yeah. In a kind of strange way, I was talking to Fizzo about this um, and for Christians who don't have the traditions that I think uh, very much Jews do, but also Muslims do, of home worship, right? Of worship right. at home. I mean, we used to, we lost it, right? Like, a, a, right. not a lot of Christians are doing a lot at home other than maybe saying grace or something. Um, and so we're, we're rediscovering, you know, praying at home or doing something at home. Whereas for you, it represents different challenges because you're, you, you know, it is home worship, but then how do you how do you do it at home when you, you can't get home, right? You know, yes. so, so tricky. I mean, I, for us, what we're doing is for Good Friday, I'm doing kind of a, a Christian tradition, which is Good Friday walk. I'm hoping that I can keep six feet away from somebody on Queen Street as I walk from place to place. Um, and then for Easter Sunday, which is the biggest Sunday of the year, other than say Christmas Eve. And, and of course, that's really kind of a pagan ritual that we've, we've assumed too. But Easter is the big Sunday. Mm. Um, and, uh, but it's also a tradition of sunrise worship. So I'm going to go down by the lake and do my own little film thing. And so I, I think for all of us, we're kind of discovering or rediscovering aspects of worship we haven't used in a while. Um, certainly for Christians, that's true because we don't have any other options. So yeah, there is, there is a kind of heartbreak about um, not celebrating the way that yeah. we use it celebrate um yeah so i mean there there is that i mean um i want to focus too though because people so need good news mm -hmm. <laughs> in all of our face right now and especially you mentioned sort of seniors um uh today my kind of daily prayer that i put out was around people that are in long-term care and retirement homes because they are first of all very at risk these days um, but very isolated. And, and as you say, often not particularly technologically savvy. So it's difficult to reach out other by phone. So, so when you as a, a spiritual leader, you know, where's the good news? 
of this? Like, mm. what's the silver lining here of this cloud you know, we're in? So when I um, disconnect from that, from the things that are awful about this and allow myself to go there, I can see ways that the world is changing um, that are really hopeful and powerful. For example, within a very short period of time, once Toronto started talking about social isolation, a Facebook group was created called Caremongering. Um, and a number of grassroots groups have popped up where community members who are healthy and um, and, and mobile are just, are forming groups to take care of those who are not. Um, and so this is another one of these look to the helpers. And I think in terms of good news, like we haven't, this is a thing that we haven't seen in this form um, beyond, maybe I've seen it, you know, like there's the chesed committee, there's the, like the, which is like the loving kindness committee or the mitzvah committee or the social justice committee, you know, in synagogue communities. But now like the wider community and neighborhood groups are getting together and like putting out flyers with phone numbers and email. If you need help, call, we'll bring you groceries, you know, and, and people are doing this safely. I, I just think like there's a mobilizing of compassion that I'm seeing. And, and I'm seeing in those groups, folks, folks are talking about how do we get training into those long-term care facilities and seniors homes so that we can get those folks on technology? Or how do we get the right supplies in there so people know they're not alone? Or how do we get phone call trees going? Like people are thinking about each other. It's not that we're not. And that feels very hopeful and beautiful. And that for me feels like the hands of God and the face of God um, operating in the world. What other good news? I mean, I've seen also, I've seen a lot of people who have beautiful art and, um, and things to say, vulnerable things to say, powerful things to say, are saying it now in ways that, um, that they were too scared to before, but now they're like, what the heck? And they're putting themselves out there. And so we're getting such richness of content, really an oversaturation, at least initially, um, of beautiful memes and art. And I don't know if you've seen these videos of, of families doing musicals in their living rooms and, <laughs> um, and recreating classical art. Like there's humor and, and play. Wow, the resurgence of play. I mean, I'm spending time with my four-year-old daughter and we're getting creative. We're making obstacle courses out of furniture. We're spending time together. We're extremely privileged that my work is not essential full-time work. So I have the attention and capacity to connect with her in a way that, like, I, I just want to acknowledge the parents who are working from home and trying to be with their kids and how really, really, I can't imagine how hard that is. I can only imagine how hard that is. Um, but for those of, and for those of us who found a way to be present with our kids, they're getting more one-on-one -on -one time with us than they've had in goddess knows how long. And that's also really wonderful. And we're calling each other. Like I've been talking to my siblings more than I have in a long time. So like all of those things, I think are, are places where we can see beauty and hope. Um, and for Jews who are connecting to the story of Passover, 
I really want to say how like we're really resonating with the that moment when everyone is stuck in their homes waiting for in the in the in the story in the Torah it's waiting for the angel of death to pass over mm-hmm. and like how clearly relevant and resonant um, that plague that we were waiting to pass over our homes and nowadays we're all waiting for it to pass over all our homes we're not marking our doorposts to say I'm different than them please don't get me we're saying we're staying home so that everyone is safer and we're making these commitments to each other as a society I love I've heard this phrase that I don't know who coined it but but rather than social distancing we're physically distancing in social solidarity mm. and that's a beautiful tikkun a, a beautiful reparation um, because you know for me I believe that we thrive as a society when we notice connections and show up for each other rather than emphasizing distinctions and I think that's happening right now in a really beautiful way thank you um, I, I saw a meme a, a Christian meme that said this is the lentiest Lent we've ever lented <laughs> but but it's true I mean for because for us of course it's next week is holy week it's the walk to the cross like it's a walk to death right um, it's 40 days of you know of you know, really kind of looking at your life, prayers of confession, walking the walk to the cross, right? Um, of course, it ends well, you know, <laughs> resurrection at the yeah. end. Of, um, but, uh, but I mean, we're, you know, for sure. Uh, and it's, it's so interesting. Um, this was talking about Ramadan coming up, you know. Uh, but I mean, it's so interesting that we're all in this time and that the events of the world. The, the other thing that, that struck me is that we're all in this globally together in yes. a way independent of our face, independent of who we are, what country we're in. Um, we're all in this together in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced in my life because in North America, we, you know, we are kind of a privileged bunch. And, and of course, I don't speak for everybody. I mean, you're, obviously, Indigenous have a whole other view of this and people of color, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, in relation to many countries who've been at war, who are existing in a state of war, we haven't felt that. It's somewhere else. And now it's here. And it's here everywhere. To me, that's that kind of solidarity, even if it's solidarity and a sort of suffering, brings us together and hopefully educates us here, who are privileged, um, to understanding and to understanding that we're all in this together and that, you know, things like climate the climate crisis and other things that we're looking at can be tackled. We can do this together. We can actually completely revamp our economies. We can house the host. Yes. We can provide care for people. We, you know, we can do this. We can actually send money from governments to people who need it when they need it. Who knew? Because government said we couldn't do it before. Right. Now we say, oh, but don't you remember you did it, right? So I think there's a, there's a lot of that happening too, which is particularly positive. So um, so you mentioned your daughter and and this also has a, a child at home. So, um, and absolutely you're right. I mean, I don't have little children. I have big, big kids at home, <laughs> but, um, but isn't it, isn't it wild that we work, well, certainly I speak for myself, kind of a workaholic, kind of busy person, um, all of a sudden have had to uh, stop, have had mm-hmm. to take stock and 
um, and actually be with our kids and our animals are thriving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> more, you know, with them. More. They're getting attention. In a way that they're not from us. Like, it's not that they weren't getting attention. I mean, my kid goes to an amazing daycare. And so, you know, but we were able to hand off that attention to other experts. And now we, now this is a mixed bag also, because we're not used to having to show up in that way. And it's a lot. And so we're learning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's fascinating. So, so have you decided, uh, you know, we just got a couple of minutes left. Have you decided what Passover is going to look like with all this information coming at you? What do you, what are you going to do? And <sighs> to be honest, to Addie Matan, by the way, Jewish uh, leader here on Radical Reverend Show, go for it. I, to be honest, I, I still haven't. I, um, I know a few people have written to me and said, like, we're waiting to see what you're going to do. And I was like, me too. Um, because really, I mean, there are Kohenet offerings. A colleague of mine from Matanot Lev is, is doing a, a small group one. My roommates are doing one. Uh, family members are doing them. And um, I feel like for me, it's probably going to be almost a game time decision. Because um, I'm still, you know, yeah, I'm still trying to get my feet under me. Um, and a lot is changing in my living situation on a fairly constant basis. So I'm just trusting that uh, hopefully by Monday, I'll have some clarity for Wednesday. <laughs> uh, and in the meantime, I'm grateful that there's such an abundance of opportunities to connect and learn and, um, and be with each other, even in this technological way for this holiday. Well, thank you, Annie Matan. Annie Matan, uh, our, our Jewish correspondent on the faith panel for the Radical Reverend Show, will be back with the same faith panel in, in, uh, at the uh, beginning of next month. Um, hopefully, we're in a different place than Annie. Hopefully, we're in a better place. Uh, but yes, uh, just remember this out there in Radio Land that uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can, of course, uh, contact me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Sherry, C-H-E-R-I-D-I-N-O-V-O, -O, with thoughts for programming, but also with any prayers, because um, uh, we'll hold those, we'll hold those prayers. Um, and uh, of course, information about how you're doing, what you're doing, what's working, what's not. Ah, till the next time on the Radical Reverend Show. Take care, Annie, happy Passover. Um, hope it happens. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. I know Holy Week's gonna happen. I know Ramadan's gonna happen. It's all gonna happen. It's just gonna happen in very new ways. Take yes. care, till next time. Happy on Easter. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.